Kara fixed her boobs. <laughs> yep, they're, they're fixed. So now. now we're ready to begin. <laughs> now we're ready to go. I'm Tara's boobs. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Tara. <laughs> this is Basic Snitches. Today we're discussing chapter 29 of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Which one was this called? The Phoenix Limit. The Yeah, that one. <laughs> Let's take a moment to acknowledge all of our patrons. As a patron, you get acknowledged in every single one of our episodes, and you get a whole bunch of exclusive content, no matter what tier you're at. Of course, as the tier gets higher, the more content you get. Here are our lovely supporters. They are Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Jen, Mary Beth, Megan, Nisi, Nicole, and Olivia. And for this week's exclusive, it's not a screen rant, but something sort of similar. It's good to be ending the season on a non-screen rant note. Let's see what happened in the last chapter. Yeah, so before we talk about chapter 29, um, in chapter 28, pretty sure the loser is pretty obvious. Snape. Snape. I'm going to give the win of chapter 28 to Hagrid? Yes, that would have been my guess. Harry was definitely an option, but Hagrid is, as always, anytime you have Hagrid, he's ready to do what needs to be done. Run into his burning house, save his dog. Mm -hmm. Pretty big. And that's just who Harry needs in this moment, too. Right. Oh my god, so much. Yeah, definitely Hagrid. Gotta love him. Time for your thing. We're being very efficient today. We had breakfast, no alcohol. And for those of you on Patreon, you'll hear more about my puffy eyes. I got puffy eyes today. Well, just one. Oh, it's very annoying. It's not nearly as noticeable, but I'm sure you feel it. Yes. Well, like, I'll wake up and look at my face in the morning and I'll be like, God damn it. Well, that's usually what happens. <laughs> that's how I wake up <laughs> that's, all, that's all every day. I look in I look at myself in the mirror and say, God damn it. I've been going through this job transition and it's been exhausting. I forgot. It's good. Like, I'm very happy with the decision that I made. But I'm tired all the time because completely relearning everything that you do in your life, it takes a lot out of you. So I blame that. Hopefully it'll get better eventually. If not, I'll just wear an eye patch. Oh, eye patches are cool. Yeah, I know, right? You're a pirate. Yeah. Remember when you had to wear two of them? Yeah. No explanation necessary. Okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> Chapter 29. The Felix Lament. Ginny manages to get Harry to leave Dumble's body and she leads him to the hospital wing. Gwen Pom Pom is rocking her healer skills and has been treating everyone who was hurt, including Bill, who was attacked by fuckface. Though had not been a full werewolf that night, Bill should be okay if you count losing part of your face as okay. Ginny decides that she might as well share more shitty news and tells the group that Dumbledore is dead. Harry gives the important details. Draco disarmed Dumbledore, more Death Eater showed up, Snape murdered him. Just then, they hear Fox screaming, fuck y'all, Dumbledore's gone, and this place sucks about him. And then he sets some shit on fire and pieces out. Mega comes in and learns about Snape, and they all discuss how much of a piece of garbage he is. Harry informs them all how the Death Eaters got in. Then everyone gives a recap of the battle that happened while Harry was stuck on the astronomy tower. After that depressing discussion, Molly and Arthur and Fleur arrive. Dumble's death and Bill's uncertain future are discussed more, and Mrs. Weasley and Fleur have a super awkward argument. 
Then Tonks and Lupin have an even more awkward discussion. McGut tries to get Harry to tell her what he and Dumble were doing just before he died, but Harry told her sorry secret guy stuff. Then the heads of House and Hagrid discuss closing the school, and Professor Sprout argues that Hogwarts should be open for any student who wants to return. Hagrid's like, well, since my actual house is on the grounds, I'll be here. They discuss Dumble's funeral, then Harry gets the fuck out of there before Lion Man can show up. With one last devastating punch in the face, Harry tells Ron that after everything, the Horcrux he and Dumble went to get was a fake. Bad days. And awkward days, because yeah. Awkward. The, some of those conversations, I'm like, really, is this the time or place? But we'll get into it. Well, yeah, we will. Right now. Right now! As Ginny is taking Harry to the hospital wing, he's like, I'm not hurt. I'm like, uh, bullshit. Right? Your mental anguish has gone untreated enough. Yeah, and Harry's like, yeah, I already know that. That's why I know the hospital wing isn't the answer. (laughs) (laughs) But thanks. Yes. I like the parallel. I mean, I don't like it because it's devastating and sad. The parallel of Harry not wanting to leave the Dumbledore side to... Harry not wanting to leave Cedric's body. Oh, yeah. This trauma that he and a person returned from that they shared. Yeah. You know, and that's extra devastating. Technically, he kind of felt the same way about Sirius's, but there was no body. He couldn't, yeah, he couldn't get to him. Absolutely. I didn't even think about that in the moment, but it's true. The way that he just mourns so severely. Severely isn't the right word, but. Well, yeah, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. And then as she's, like, leading him up there, he's then, like, thinking about all these people who could be hurt or dead. And that's. So we're also going to take you up here so you can feel like shit more about it. How's that sound? Yeah. Let's go. And that, well, this is where he and us get some questions answered because I was even asking, like, did anybody else die? And Ginny said, no, but the body that you stepped over was Bill because (laughs) gashed open his face. The other thing that she talks about here is how the Felix Felicis probably helped because all of these curses, like, narrowly missed them. Yeah, just missed them. Because Blonde Bitch, who is, in fact, Thorfinn. Finn Rawl. Yeah, I can remember his first name because Thorfinn is the name of the Viking guy on Ghosts. And so I was like, I know that name from something else. It was definitely him. I said this in the last chapter too, but it's like the theme and it's very similar to what Bellatrix does too of like just going absolutely haywire and just being bad for the sake of being bad. Yeah. You know? Because that's actually what most of these Death Eaters are about. They don't actually believe in anything other than an excuse to create havoc and be assholes. Yes. Which, I mean, I was like an excuse to create havoc and be assholes too, but I don't do this. Right, but you don't murder people. I don't rip someone's face off. I mean... So this was kind of shocking to me, and I'm at least glad that Ginny did it, because it's like one less thing that Harry has to worry about and stuff, and maybe that's why Ginny did. But the fact that this is where, like, Lupin and Tonks find out? Yeah, everyone finds out. I mean, I think that everyone found out here, because we don't necessarily see that anyone else has encountered Harry other than Hagrid and Ginny previously. So even Ron and Hermione, this is them finding out. Lupin, Tonks, and poor Madame Pomfrey, and Luna. Yeah. Luna's there, and... Like Neville, everyone who I was think in Neville the battle. Neville was asleep, so Neville hasn't heard. But. Yeah. In the last, I think it's the last chapter, there's a little scene where it's like the Who's waking up on Christmas Day and they see that the Grinch stole it. It being Christmas. That's what it felt like. The Hogwarts students, they wake up and they're like, Harula. Like they do every morning. <laughs> and, every morning. And then they see that Dumble's dead. And they all go, boo, boo. 
But they don't get, they're in the hospital wing because they were fighting all night long. It makes sense, but it's still like, whoa. It feels like they're the last to know. Yeah, it just says a crowd. It does not say who specifically, other than Hagrid and Ginny, do we know we're in that crowd? Exactly. So this, I feel like, makes it even more, like, devastating to have to hear it. Especially when they're tending over Bill. At this moment, too, I had the question of, like, oh, wait, is Bill a werewolf? And I just completely forgot about it. But, of course, the fact that <laughs> wasn't, like, a full werewolf when he, he did this. <laughs> I mean, that's He's like, was... I just like to bite people. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, and it seems like if Bill's face is slashed, like, I feel like that's probably, like, a claw rather than a bite. Otherwise, you would have to be very meticulous with your bite. Yum. <laughs> like a corn cob. Like a corn cob. I'm going to bite <laughs> this part of your face. Yeah. Like a corn cob. You just go down in slash mark. But he might have some, like, werewolf-like tendencies. And, of course, we'll get a little bit more into some of that stuff when Fleur comes in. And then this is when they also start hearing Fox screaming. Yeah. I love how you said it in your thing. <laughs> well, okay, so what it actually says in the book is that it's, like, this terrible and beautiful sound yeah. that Harry feels Melancholy. like is coming from inside of him. That's such a difficult thing to even, like, grasp. Kinda, yeah, like, mm-hmm. to grasp there. But... I've had beautiful and horrible sounds come out of me, especially after eating Chipotle. <laughs> oh, when your farts scream? Like, oh, baby that, that's for the uh, patrons if you want to know what that means listen to patreon okay but yeah this melancholy kind of thing that comes that adds this other layer of just what has happened do you like imagine just like this tone hanging over them all during all of these scenes yeah do you know what it makes me think of is tiktoks or instagram reels or something of the emergency system in all of the countries uh-huh. and like ranking it based on which one would make you actually go seek shelter or whatever oh my god i need that so and I need to find those. some of them are off Oh, I bet. And so to know that there's this big battle ensued, Dumbledore is dead, you're in a hospital wing as Pomfrey cares for Bill, and then you hear this, it's chilling. Now my question is, where is Fox going? Like, where does he go after this? I don't know. He's probably going on vacation. He's going to Palm Springs. Oh yeah, he's going back to Palm Springs. Yeah. Dumbledore definitely had a house in Palm Springs. I was going to say, Dumbledore's reservation isn't complete. The Fox is like, I'm going to go take advantage of the rest of this reservation at Trixie Motel. Right. I think they bought a timeshare, honestly, at this point. Probably. You're probably right. Dumbledore's affluent enough. Right? And he goes there often enough, as we've seen throughout this book. Right. He totally he owns property or something. Owns property like, in Palm Springs. Yes. Um, so Fox is just going there. Clearly. <laughs> but no, really, we don't know. Is this the last we ever see of Fox? It is. Whoa. Oh, my God. He doesn't come back in the next book to, like, heal anyone with his tears? No. That's fucking rude. I know, right? Fox. Fox is like, I put that part of my life behind me. Now I'm, maybe Fox is actually just out there ripping shit apart. Setting <laughs> fire. He's like, I did the good Samaritan shit. This is the next yes. phase of my life. Now I'm in my self-care era. Right. And since I'm a fucking fox, I can, like, set shit on fire. I'm a Die and fox. come back together. He's actually a phoenix. He's a phoenix. Well, fox is yes. just his name. Do you say, because I I'm did. a fucking Tara? <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Actually, I'm saying I'm a fucking terror, but okay. <laughs> um, no, but you know what I meant. Yeah, he's a phoenix. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. Shit on fire. That's right. That's but, right. Yeah, so we don't see him ever again. Also, amid all of this, I have to wonder, like, what is Lupin thinking during all of this? You well, know? I think that that's, like, that. there's a really interesting note that, like, Harry has never seen him fall apart like this. And, like, Harry mm. just did not know, know what to do with him. Because remember, when Sirius died, Lupin had to be in action. Like, there was no time to be like, my best friend is dead because we have to also not all die. Yeah. This is a moment of quiet, and I think that in these moments of quiet, you definitely see people in a different light. And we haven't seen Lupin in this light yet because he's always been a man of action when the scary shit's going down. Well, also, not even that, but the fact that in this book, he and Hagrid have been saying, trust Nate, Dumble trusts him, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then we even get some of this with Ron and Hermione regarding Malfoy. Right. Harry reveals everything that's happened, and everyone's like, oh, fuck, Harry was right. Right, Harry was right. Well, and also, to reflect back on Lupin, the fact that Lupin was never like, yeah, Snape's a good guy. Lupin was like, Dumbledore says this. Yeah. Snape betrayed Lupin in the third book. He told everyone Lupin was a werewolf. Yeah. He planted those seeds. Lupin has never had Snape on his side. Yes, he made him the fucking potion. So he wouldn't murder people as a werewolf, you mm -hmm. know? Snape didn't do that out of the kindness of his heart. He did that because Dumbledore told him to. Yeah. You know, and also to not have anyone get murdered by a werewolf while he was working as a That wasn't because you cared about Lupin. You don't, I guess, have to have altruistic reasoning for doing that for him. But, like, yeah, I think that had to really hurt Lupin. I think instinctually Lupin never liked Snape either. He had to accept him. He had to like begrudgingly go, well, he's the one that made me my wolf spade potion. And all of this, Dumbledore says it. Like, I feel like Lupin probably got pulled in in a way that he was just like, this is the line we have to follow. I think it probably affects him even more negatively than McGonagall or anyone else. Mm -hmm. Because everyone else was always like blindly like, yeah, whatever Dumbledore says. Lupin has known this man since they were in school together. Yeah. This really wraps up the theme of this entire book that we've talked in almost every single episode of people not listening to Harry, even mm -hmm. though Harry is now able to speak following the book five. In our wrap up in a few episodes, I'm sure we'll talk about that as one of our themes. But yeah, just like this realization of like, oh, Harry was correct all Harry along. Correct. And yes, there's more that is yet to be seen. You know, this does tie up a lot of loose ends, but there's still things that at this point, the reader does not know about that hot dog water will include in the next book <laughs> yes it was hot dog water from the last episode when we forgot the name um, is hot dog water hot this dog episode water. the other thing is that when harry tells them why dumbledore trusted snape and how lupin reacts and him being like why would dumbledore ever believe that snape hated james he never would have felt bad that james was dead that again reiterates a little bit of harry's naivete like he's still just a kid and he wants to believe the thing that just sounds the most simple and easy and so when dumbledore was like no snape felt bad about this harry kind of included his father in the mix anyway like yeah, oh yeah he would have been sad that people died and Lupin, like, I think probably the realization that, like, if that's the truth, which it is, Snape definitely wouldn't have felt bad about James dying. And that's probably another punch in the face. Holy shit, this man is responsible for my friends dying. And all this time, I was, like, following what Dumbledore said. Yeah. Just so yeah. many. That's a good So point many too. gut punches in this chapter, honestly. For real. Because then everyone is just like, oh, it was my fault this happened. Like, everyone feeling so guilty. That happens so much in here. The survivor's guilt. Yeah, the survivor's yeah. guilt. McGuff feeling like, well, if I hadn't, you know, told him, 
um, you know, Hermione and Luna watching Snape and having Flitwick yes. get her under their watch or whatever. <laughs> And, like, all of this, and I'm sure if Flitwick were conscious, he'd probably be like, well, I should have been able to take on Snape, you know? Like, these are people who were just trying to wrap their head around all of this, and I think instinctually the first thing you do is the guilt. I mean, Harry, even at the very beginning of the chapter, is like, okay, these people could be dead. It's interesting to bring all of this up because it shows how deep these actions go. Mm -hmm. It's not just, oh, Snape killed Dumbledore. It's looking at the mistrust and the history of Snape's behavior and how it's impacted people. And kind of amazing to see, like, <laughs> amazing in like a negative way. <laughs> right, like, but like, it's a thing you don't impact. think about. We just did uh, Promises and Death on Podcast and Death, and in that book, just kind of like a, a really interesting connection right now to this book is that a character that we met but don't know really well is murdered. As they're doing their investigation, they learn all these little things about this person. It's like this impact you don't realize you have on other people. That kind of resonates with the characters. Wow, this was a good person, but I think it was like the Chinese restaurant woman cried when they found out. You know, just like, you don't think about these things. And when Snape was killing Dumbledore, yeah, it was between us, their pact, we learn about it. Mm-hmm whatever but if Snape were not a piece of garbage and obviously entering into a thing the thought outside of the moment is like the domino effect you know like if if I were to like murder someone which I would never get away with it because I'm the worst liar on the planet that's exactly what a murderer (laughs) would say I don't know where this is going but really just like to, to think about you think about anyone dying you're like I'm sad because I lost that person but I'm not the only one if I knew that person all all these other people are sad and all these people are like oh I never got to say this to this person I never you know like I didn't get to hug that person the last time I talked to them we were like annoyed with each other you know there's so many ripples there Mm. and this is what everyone in this moment is doing because there's also a battle happening the other thing I think is can't just be about Dumbledore's death because other people died yes it was the Death Eater so fuck that guy Bill's life is changed irreparably you have Neville who was hurt probably other people are hurt And also the emotional trauma of it, the guilt that these teenagers, that Ron and Jenny and Hermione and Luna, especially, who were like on the front lines there, and Neville, there's a lot of trauma there. Oh, we let Snape go by us. Oh, Draco and the Death Eaters got by us. And like that sort of responsibility, it's a lot. Well, and also like what it means for the future. You know, like Dumbledore being like the leader of the order and all that. What that made me think of is when somebody dies on the Sims, like (laughs) let's say, I don't know, like a satellite falls on somebody, which is one way that you can die on the Sims. That's terrifying. All the other Sims who are in the vicinity will come over and start crying. And sometimes it's like, well, you didn't really even know that person was a stranger, but just the impact of death anyways. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like if that were to happen, that would probably traumatize you, right? Like if someone... Right, if I saw someone get killed by a fucking satellite, even if I hated that person, I would be like, this is horrible. Yeah. The person I hate most on this planet, I don't want them to die a horrible death. And now I don't have any service either because that's And now I hope so. This is extra yeah. shitty, man. <laughs> that's what it made me think of when yep. we were talking about that. <laughs> just like, but yeah, just the impact overall. What we do get into, and you get into a lot of the other little details, like what happens to Flitwick, the survivor's guild that McGaw has, but not just McGaw, everyone. Yeah. We do get into some of the details of what Draco used in this, like the Hand of Glory. And we now know what its purpose is, yeah. is to provide light to only the owner. The Peruvian Instant Darkness partner, which you had talked about too previously. Yeah. Ron is like, Fred George shouldn't be allowed to sell to just anyone. I'm like, calm down with your non-existent business knowledge, Ron. <laughs> okay. Well, and, I mean... 
I mean, I guess he I, has a point, his but like his response is actually like understandable. But okay, so they're gonna sell it to someone else, and then Malfoy will steal it. Like, come on. Maybe the problem is having that product in the first place. Yeah. You know, well, especially following this, because you never know what someone's intent is. But right. It's good to just at least get some of these little things tied up. Of like, oh yeah, that's what this thing is. That's from. what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I feel like there's so much chaos here because of the lack of planning. So not to, like, speak ill of the dead or anything, but Dumble was so secretive, and had he not been so secretive, perhaps Bill's face wouldn't be disfigured. Ding, 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 babe. And perhaps, you know, a lot of different things would be different. Yes. If people at least knew that this was coming, it wouldn't just be, okay, Lupin and Tonks and Bill at Hogwarts just patrolling. They would know something is coming and they'd be more prepared to like keep people safe. What if Voldemort also was like, I too am gonna come through the cabinet? Yeah. Like, what if there were more Death Eaters? No one was listening to Harry when yeah. he said Draco is up to something. Right. He's like, I got Draco handled. Yeah. Do you? You have your Order of the Phoenix here, which is great. They're wonderful people. Fine, they're here. You cannot expect Lupin and Tong and then kids to handle every Death Eater. Comes right. That. How many Death Eaters were coming into the building? Right. I don't know. I mean, Bellatrix was in the movie. Right? Example, she, she was we were, in the movie. Uh, yeah. But also, like, we never actually get the full understanding. We knew Draco was supposed to kill Dumbledore. He brought Death Eaters into the school. What was their purpose? What were they doing? They you were seriously, and there was no purpose for they them. They didn't do anything. All they did was come up to the tower. Yeah. I mean, they, like, shot off some stuff, and they did hurt some people or whatever. But they come up to the tower, and they're like, Draco, you can do it. And then they, like, scream obscenities and trip over each other, and they're fucking idiots. Yeah. They don't do anything productive. The yeah. only person who does anything productive on their side is Snape, yeah. who's already there. Yeah, exactly. Just leaving it open-ended of, like, okay, Draco is going to kill me. Like, there's so much possibility yeah. for disaster there. What should have happened, like, if you're going to put all of this onto Draco and then onto Snape, perhaps you should have been meeting more with Snape and having... Snape so didn't know what Draco was doing. That That's is true, thing. too. I mean, I don't know. Because some of this is on Snape, some of this is on Draco because yeah. of the planning and stuff. And we did see earlier in the book, Snape trying to talk to Draco, and Draco being like, you're just trying to steal my glory, blah, 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 yeah. blah. Oh, yeah. But at the very least, hey, Snape, you're a legitimate. Do the best you can to inform Dumble of how this is going to happen to minimize what is going to ultimately happen that happens here. Right. Well, and I think the big thing was actually on Dumbledore for not taking Draco seriously. When Harry is like, he's up to something, and Dumbledore has figured out that he means that Draco is planning to kill him and all whatever his attempts. They have that conversation before Snape comes and kills Dumbledore. But, like, Harry's like, he's been going into the fucking room of requirement. Like, what the hell is he doing in there? Like, he's not practicing murder spells. The fact that he has been informed that we know Draco is doing something suspicious off the map. And Dumbledore has Snape watching Draco but Snape also has to be a fucking teacher and run a fucking house like whatever why Dumbledore do you not have one of your order people on Draco Tonks is hanging out upstairs next to the room of requirement because Harry runs into her that one night why are you not like Tom keep an eye out for this kid not only only that but already and Dumbledore you should be aware of this stuff Katie Bell and Ron almost died yeah. If Draco is up to something, and we already know that he is responsible for the necklace and the mead, who is going to die? He's not going to stop. Right. He gets it right. Exactly. So the planning there was mm. a really big it's a, mess. 
Yeah, it's rough. And again, I still don't understand why the Death Eaters were there. Yeah. What were yeah. they doing there? That isn't necessarily on Dumble. It's more on Draco. That's more on Draco. Because it's like, he needed these Death Eaters there for moral support. But to your point, like, absolutely. If Draco's like, oh, I'm just going to have to, you know, Avada Kedavra and do the Old Faithful. And he didn't need all that backup there. He could have just gone and done it. And then it would have transpired the exact same way without any additional damage. I mean, had Draco just, like, gone up to the tower, threw up the Dark Mark, and then, like, waited for Dumble to come back to the tower one he would have seen harry too and he probably could have killed harry or tried to because he doesn't know that harry is a dumble mm-hmm. you know he could have just been like bye dumble kill him and then no one would know except for plot and harry is there but no one would know and he could just fucking leave like his plan could literally be that he kills dumbledore and goes back to bed mm-hmm. and no one knows perhaps although we learn in the next chapter too when lion man up of that oh well we saw the evidence like the ministry knows more than they do blah 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 but to your point yeah it could have been a lot more like cut and dry it also comes back to what we talked about in the last episode of draco just not being a killer no know? he's not a killer so and that's why so let's talk about when the weasleys and fleur come oh. molly of course having a great reaction towards her son and everything but fleur then being like oh he's still going to marry me i'm the most beautiful creature in the world and then it coming down to the lesson here fleur i think is a little bit too vain for her own good but like i'm still gonna marry him because i love him that's what could have been said but like she comes in with this like vanity angle see i don't see it that way because fleur knows she's good looking everyone knows she's good looking like it's one of those things where it's like along the lines like me saying like i have big boobs yes everyone knows that like it's there okay so it's just kind of like what it is i find fleur really awesome in this scene really oh i here's why she knows mrs weasley isn't about her. Molly thinks that Fleur liked Bill because he was good looking. And when Fleur comes back with, you think he doesn't want to marry me because of this? Well, one, we're good because, you know, she's like, yeah, I'm good looking, whatever. But also she says, I want to marry him. Like, I don't care what he looks like. I love him. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's really a strong argument for a person to be like, yes, I acknowledge that you recognize that I'm hot and my future husband was hot and now... He's not, but I still love him. Like, I don't know. There's something about that that I find to be really strong. It's not like she's like, oh, well, it's okay. I know I'm just very plain looking. Like, she's very aware that everyone doesn't like her because she's pretty. I feel like her acknowledging that makes her statement even stronger. I agree with a lot of that in terms of, like, what it becomes. But she leads in with the vanity angle, I think. And the biggest thing for me is it's not the place or time. Oh, everything considered, like, Dumbledore just died. We're listening to Fox, like, screeching. It just didn't quite sit right with me. Yeah, no, I follow that. Mrs. Weasley said, well, he was going to be married. And, like, he's not dead. I think reactively, if you were to say that to me about the person I'm about to marry or whatever, and you were to be like oh, my beautiful child's not as beautiful anymore and he was going to be married. Like, what do you mean was? Like, Am I going to be your father-in-law? <laughs> I'm going to marry one of your cats, obviously. I do not consent. <laughs> I do not give my, my I'm not blessing. Marrying, I'm not marrying any of your cats. They're all my friends. That's it. Okay, good. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that... I don't I, want you as a daughter-in-law anyway, so... Yeah. The in-laws are the fucking worst. Yeah. I can say that from experience. I don't know. For me, that's why I was just kind of like, oh, okay, I get it. Because her reaction is just like, hold on. Did you just say was? 
And I don't know where else you have that conversation, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. Well, it does feel like, mm, we're having this awkward conversation, but Dr. Wayne must have easily started it by she, being like, he was going to be You're great. totally right. Like, if had she not said that, like, this, this would have been a better It wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't, well, the conversation wouldn't have It would have been a better conversation to have, like, in the hallway or something. Yeah. At the core, this is a plot device. It's a plot device for Tongs to be like... See, Blur doesn't care who he is. Still, in oh, love it's with absolutely him. a plot device in which you know, and then you get this, and you're just like, oh my god. And it moves fast it moves because fast. in the next chapter, of course, we'll get there. They're holding hands, right? And, and then you're just like, oh, hot dog water. Like you didn't develop this relationship at all. My feelings about Tongs and Lupin. At the end of the day, I ship them. Like, yeah, yay. Okay, yes, of course. Whatever. Still not 100% certain what their age difference is. I don't give a well, shit. Well, it seems like around 10 years. Lupin is like mid-30s. Yeah. Tongs is mid-20s. Maybe Tongs is a little bigger. So, I don't know, 12 years, 13 years, right. something like that. But they're consenting adults. Do whatever the hell you want. They're consenting care. adults. And also, like, this is just such a weird plot device. Like, why was this necessary? I don't feel like Lupin being like, I'm too old and I'm a werewolf. Blah. Like, that doesn't have any mm. other consequences to it. And in the seventh book, where, you know, they discover they're going to have a child, and then Lupin is upset because he's like, well, what if it's like me, blah, blah, blah. Fine, whatever. But that whole through line one is not necessary at all to the plot and two if you're gonna put it in there which i i respect side characters and their stories develop it because we don't get that like if the whole thing in this book is that okay over the course of the last six months to a year honks has fallen in love with lupin and they're trying to pursue something that's fine and dandy, but give us a reason to, like, believe it. Yeah. Because all we see is sad tongue. And then that's gross, because then it makes it look like her entire world is run by her love of a man, which is just a stupid, stupid yeah. plot device. That's what's frustrating about this whole thing. So that's why I focus so much on, the, like, the Florida Mrs. Weasley thing, because I find it so much more interesting, because we spent that time at the beginning of the book with Harry being like, yeah, I actually, I think Fleur's pretty cool. You see Fleur coming in, trying to fit into this family, and no one responding to her and then you get to see her stick up for herself at the end of the book and you're like okay I see that all of those interactions seem correct but then they just make Tonk sad so for me I find that to be like okay you did not invest the time or the heart into two very fantastic characters and their relationship to be devil's advocate that this is here for is that previously Molly was like ooh Bill you should be with Tonks mm -hmm. and it's so it's like this like weird love square yeah because there's four people more than anything, it almost feels like this, even though it is a plot device to get back on um, Lupin and Tonks, who that's who I think that the reader cares about more anyways. It's almost like this conversation is more for Fleur and Molly. I have dealt with, not necessarily to me, but to my siblings and stuff i've dealt with my parents trying to push what they think is quote unquote right on siblings and i mean for me too just in different areas of life but it's like at the end of the day especially once we're at the ages that we are you have to just let it be and this is just how it's gonna go so in that way maybe i get back to yes i think that flirt sticking up for her was great it's just the wrong place, wrong time thing. Yeah. Well, the whole conversation is wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. It's it's a very awkward thing, but of course, Hot Dog Water had to yeah. cut up. We're like, oh, shoot. I have she had to, to cut up. She had to tie up loose ends. Right? I think that that's really what it was. For what it's worth, I think that it's a strong character moment for Fleur. I think it's a good point to see Mrs. Weasley see that, no, this really is something real. As much as she has feelings about it, and as much as she's like, they're young, and... I don't think it's right, whatever. She gets to see Fleur be a stronger character 
you get to see the characters that we care more about, if they were better written for this particular moment, you get to see them come to the next phase of this conclusion so that we know that they're working on it. Like, I get it. I mean, I guess, I don't know. What else are you going to do while you're sitting in the hospital wing waiting to hear more shitty news, I guess? I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably the weakest written part of the book, honestly. Yeah. yeah, I kind of agree. And really, the only other thing I have left in this chapter is kind of like the stuff with Heads of House at the end. You um, finally get to see adults have an adult conversation. Yeah, you said it in your thing with the way that um, Sprout, I was about to call her Helga Hufflepuff. <laughs> I mean, she was channeling Helga Hufflepuff. Because <laughs> yes. 100%, it's like, even when we go back to what the Sorting Hat says about Hufflepuff, yeah. But, I mean, she's right, too. Like, we need to keep the school open. Now, of course, it divulges into shit in the next book. But, but without these five, six people who are at Hogwarts in the next book, those students would be in danger. These are the six people until Hagrid has to leave because, you know, mm. they are the ones keeping the kids safe. Yeah. Flitwick, Sprout, McGonagall, Slughorn. Yeah. So I guess that's only five. I'm bad at counting. But they're all the ones <laughs> keeping them safe. We'll just put Madame Pomfrey there. She's all the She's there too, safe. yes. She's exactly, not there in exactly. the moment, but she's there. Pomfrey is omnipotent. And then, of course, Maga being like, so what were you and Dumble talking about? And Harry being like, nope, it's still between us. It just shows that Harry is a Dumble man through and through. So much Dumble through and through. Even though he's like, uh-oh, Lion Man's coming, peace out. Yeah, I, I saw how it's so Harry did not at all want to fucking deal with that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I get it. Obviously, in the next chapter, we'll talk about when he does pop up and how, in a way, I'm like, oh, did we really have to see this guy again? But there's a purpose behind it. I think we'll so, yeah. yeah. I think so. So this conversation between them i really appreciate it i think that it's important to like understand the position that these five people are in they never thought about what would happen if dumbledore died at least not this particular group of people i'm sure that is something that like the school board of governors whatever that's something that's like in their contingency and what yeah, they do yeah because hogwarts has this board of governors <laughs> I really respected the challenge of that for them. I understood why each of them said what they said. And I love that McGonagall asked Hagrid, well, what do you think? Dumbledore values your opinion. Yeah. And And he's like, I live here, so. Right. It's really important to also acknowledge that there are people who live at Hogwarts. Like, Mm -hmm. Trelawney also lives at Hogwarts. I was just going to say that, yeah. I'm assuming that Sprout probably lives nearby because over the summer, she got to go make sure her plants are okay. That's right. Hogwarts is their home, too. And that's, like, prime plant growing time. Right? That said, I understand where, like, Slughorn, I think it was Slughorn, who was like, well, people want their kids to come here. Like, that's also a fair statement. Why not be here just in case? I love that, one, Harry gets to witness the adults being adults for once, because that doesn't happen any other fucking time in the series. <laughs> He's like, well, I did it. Time to leave. <laughs> like, oh, you're finally adults. Okay. And then my, like, my job is done here. <laughs> and then, And then Harry is even the one that's like, but... Everyone should stay for the funeral. Yes. I think that that's really important to have Harry be the one to be like, obviously Harry personally is like, um, there's no way I wouldn't be at Dumbledore's funeral. But looping himself in with the students and recognizing that Dumbledore was more than just the guy he literally was with right before he died. Dumbledore was headmaster of the school over all these students and they should be given that option. Yeah. And I love that. And then he's like, bye, I can't talk to the lion man. I gotta not. Fine. And then he goes and he breaks that lady's heart. Oh, yeah. like, is it true? Also, Harry having to keep being like, yes, Dumbledore's dead. Let's put Harry through trauma again, over and over. Yep. It's been one chapter, and he's like, yeah, so, Dumbledore's so dead. So honestly, him going like straight up to the dormitory, like, Who could blame him? Yeah. Who could blame him? I do appreciate that no one approached him in the common room. Yeah. 
And he was like, yeah, I gotta go. And then Ron was waiting for him. Yeah. Okay. Can you imagine if, like, he had come in and, like, Ramilda or Cormac were up to their usual shit? Oh, my God, right? Or fucking Lavender. Purple Girlfriend's done talking to him about Ron. She's like, yeah, I gotta go date someone else. Harry would have been like, oh, you think Dumbledore is the last person to die in this book? No. Sectum no. Sempra. <laughs> Dark Harry arrives. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then he goes and he talks to Ron. And then, like, him sharing with Ron that... Yeah, this Horcrux is not real. What a horrible devastating It's crazy because it's like, that has happened now the last few chapters. It's like focusing on the Horcrux. Hot Dog Water is still like mailing it in like, hey, don't forget this thing has happened. And the rest of us are like, yeah, we fucking know, bitch. Well, here's my game. Okay. We have to talk about game for our wrap-up, of course, and we have another special episode coming up. But in terms of our book discussion, this is my last game of this book. So we're playing Fuck, Mary Kill. Okay. I usually like to go back to basics, you know. I have basic snitches. Yes, I have four fuck Mary kills for you. Wow, okay. So the first one is Hand of Glory, Peruvian Powder, and the Vanishing Cabinet. Oh, the gonna... tools of Georgia. I'm going to fuck the Peruvian Powder. Why not? I'm going to kill the Hand of Glory, mm-hmm. and I'm going to marry the Vanishing Cabinet. My answer is the same. Okay. Can I tell you why? Yes. Okay, so the Peruvian um, powder, I'm gonna fuck with that because I need to sleep in complete darkness. And so, boom. Right. Use that have and I nice, won't have to worry have about it. Have a nice fuck and then you're like, okay, sleep in. Have a nice fuck. Yep, that's what I do before I go to sleep. <laughs> and then the Hand of Glory is a flashlight. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I mean, it's a special flashlight, but still. And I'm then the, good. It's also a hand. Like, cool. And the vanishing cabinet, I mean, yes, I need to procure two of them, but that's basically teleportation without the possibility to splinch. I'm putting the other one in my office. I'm like, all right, going to work. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm Here put- I am in my office. I'm putting the other one in like Vegas or something. Well, yeah. Maybe, I'm like, gonna- I'm going to vacation. Bye. Yeah, I'm going to put the other one in Brittany's apartment. Sorry, Brittany. Oh, the- Sorry. You're going to have to deal with it, okay? Because that's a good <laughs> answer. You could come back to Ohio. She'd be like, fuck yeah. Put that yeah, in my, exactly. my, my apartment. I mean, you could work in New York. Right. And then live here or like whatever, you know? I so can work and live here and then just go to New York. We love apparition, but this, it makes it even easier. In my this opinion. is, yeah, I'm not going to splinch my fucking yeah. Because you know I'm just bad at things. Right, and Wilkie Twycross is an asshole. Oh my God, 3D's my ass, bitch. Yeah, 3D's your tits is more like it. Okay, <laughs> next Only is things that people have put upon them in this book. And that is being imperioed all year, attacked by Fenrir, and petrified and you have to watch Snape kill Dumbledore. I think I have to kill that one. Mm-hmm. That's awful. Yes. I'm going to... I mean, I will tell you, we all know that I would Imperial myself. I'll be Imperial all year. I'll right? marry that I was one. like marrying Imperial, but I guess I'm going to put Greyback attacking me. I know, it's pretty bad. I mean, you don't turn into a werewolf. You just, you know. Yeah. And again, but then I don't have to literally, like, watch someone die and not be able to do anything. Yeah. I think that that's actual torture. Yeah. So once again, I think your answer We're in sync here at the end of this book. Number three, the weapons used against Dumbledore. So, Cursed Necklace, Poison Mead, Mavada Kedavra, and Astronomy Tower. I'm gonna kill Poison Mead. Yeah. Don't fuck with my meat, thanks. I think I'm gonna marry the Cursed Necklace, because it's pretty, I don't know. And I think I'm gonna fuck Avada Kedavra, because why not? I think I would just swap the Marion kill. So I'm going to marry Avada Kedavra because it's a classic. And yeah, the necklace is pretty. 
It's pretty. Yeah, that was me. Come on. Don't fuck with the me. And finally, we're going to fuck Mary Kill Cedric Sirius and Dumbledore. <laughs> the people who died in the last okay. three books. Well, I think this is an easy one. Okay. Alright, I'm going to kill Dumbledore. I'm gonna fuck Sirius and Mary Cedric. Same. Okay, so this movie. Most of the chapter we do not get whatsoever. We really don't get this chapter. Yeah. The only thing we really do get is at the very, very end. Is um, when you see Harry show Hermione and Ron that it's fake. Some of that is more in the next chapter. I was going to say more so when it's actually a beautiful shot of just the Great Hall completely silent. The oh. window is broken in the background, which feels like foreshadowing for the next couple movies. Right. More so the eighth movie. But it's just us completely silent. And then we see Dumbledore's office and Harry just waltzes right in. McGuck comes in. She doesn't do any prying or anything. She just she says, says if you want to talk. Yeah. It's a beautiful scene because like Maggie Smith, she's beautiful. One. And I know that Dan Radcliffe said that this was like not his best movie or whatever, but there's a lot of power in the silence between them. Yeah. And you don't ever see Harry respond to her verbally, but you see him take in what she's saying. Dan does a really good job of showing that his decision to not engage in that conversation. Yeah. That like moment of holding yourself together is he is presented with a moment or an opportunity to be comforted, to commiserate with someone else. And he has to make the choice not to because he recognizes what kind of response he's going to have or what kind of response she might have. And he has to make the choice to not do that. That's the feeling I got from that scene. This cannot be a time to commiserate between the two of them right now because there's still so much. Yeah. It is beautifully acted. I think that in replacement of what happens in the book, if we're trying to make whatever point we're trying to make with that, fine. Yeah. I don't hate it. Yeah. And then the only other thing we do see is the portrait of Sleeping Dumbledore. We do see portrait of Sleeping He looks really comfy. Honestly. Yeah. Part of me is almost like, why don't we just ask the portrait? Like, talk to the portrait and be like, hey, give us more details, bitch. Dumbledore's like, I just died. Please let me sleep. Can I, like, take a fucking nap, please? I've been headmaster over this school for fucking ever. Yeah. And y'all know that I had to go to Palm Springs to get any kind of fucking sleep. That's the only place where the beds are comfortable. I'm and not a wizard or anything. Yeah, these beds bed at are way too hard. <laughs> Points! Alright, there's a lot of points that happen in this chapter. I'm giving plus 20 to Bill, Fox, and McGuff. Because those are the three, to me, that are affected the most in this chapter. Like, Harry, he's kind of already kind of gone through it. McGuff, she goes through the Survivor's Guild. She's now head headmistress. Bill's face is fucked up. And then Fox, his daddy is dead. So, plus 10 to almost everyone else. Ron, Hermione, Neville, Ginny, Lupin, Tonks, Molly, Arthur, Flitwick, Hagrid, Sprout, and Slughorn. They either are all there or they were all there during the fight. Mm -hmm. They're reeling with what has just happened. Negative 5 to Fleur because it did rub me a little bit the wrong way, but it's only 5. It's I think she's still in the positives in this book, if I'm not mistaken. And then negative 20 still, even though they're not even in this chapter, but we learn more about the repercussions of what they've done, and that is Snape and Blonde Bitch. Blonde Bitch. Thorfinn. Thorfinn Rao. Rao. I'm never going to remember his last name. His name is Thorfinn. It, it, it kind of sounds like <laughs> Thurston Howell from Gilligan's Island. Oh my god. I don't what, know why. First Gilligan's Island reference to be in the podcast. <laughs> I was like, I was like, is that in like, I don't know, like the Wish version of the... the big blonde bitch. Who is not big blonde and beautiful. No, big blonde and bitch. <laughs> With 
that, we have one chapter we left do. in this book, we and we're, we're going to record in a do. few minutes, yes. and that is called Chapter 30. It's the, called Chapter 30. It's called Chapter 30. <laughs> Hot Dog Water really phoned it in. <laughs> Dumble's dead? Okay, Chapter 30. Chap- the White Tomb. The White Tomb. Which is also what I call my pussy. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs>